All right. I decided to bring this guy back for Real Man Sports, even though our Survivor endeavor was a failed one. Uh, I still owe you $12.50, and because I deleted PayPal, you know, I can't just send it to you. So you got to figure out how I'm going to get you that money. You don't like any of the um, electronic payment systems just for convenience, Cash App, Venmo? No, I, have, I have Cash App. Well, Venmo is owned by PayPal, so forget about that. But uh, but I have Cash App, so I'll Cash App you twelve fifty. I owe you, right? <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, maybe, you know, we'll be on opposite sides of a um, of like a Super Bowl bet or a playoff bet, and we'll we'll factor it into that. You don't have to I, – I don't want you to have to, like, figure out and deal with twelve fifty. We'll We'll add that. We'll tack that on to a bet, which I'm sure will be – maybe it'll be this week we'll be on different sides of a, of a play. Um, you know, and then we could work it out from there. Oh, we could do a bet this week for sure for the double yeah. or nothing. You know, then you get twenty five, and now now go. it's worth it. And yes. I have Cash App. I get you know, it's Cash App's not a problem. That's fine. It's just that you know, I'm having problems because I deleted PayPal because you know I didn't want them uh, you know telling me what I could say, and then I realized well. Now I can't pay anyone any money anymore. Now it's, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's your excuse. That's your excuse. Oh, I, I, you know, I'll send you a check in the mail. You know, I, I mean, the check is like, you know, it's like a stone tablet at this point. It's so, yeah. you know, anachronistic. And not, not before we get into the sports portion, because I have a ton of fantasy questions that I think I need answered from you. But I just think that it's important, like for people that are listening on on the Real Man Sports feed. I know they listen on your your uh, Pillar uh, Real Man uh, Wood podcast feed as well, but. A standing ovation for you and Ted Bell, man. That that was highly entertaining, uh, you know, and informative uh, podcast there. So anyone for some reason who just listens to the sports portion, go over to the other feed, listen to the pod that you did with uh, with Ted Bell. Uh, that was really really good. I, I think one of the best you've ever done. Uh, you guys have a real nice uh, chemistry, and it's nice to hear two people with very interesting opinions and i you know i don't want to call them conspiracy theories because that has a, a negative connotation but those things are starting to make a lot of sense so I, I know this is the sports side so i won't go too deep but standing ovation thank you i appreciate that and i really enjoyed doing it and when i was editing it yesterday i was like oh this one came out good so uh and you know as ted bell's topics he brought these up he teed off some really interesting stuff some great conversations so I yep. appreciate that he did it. And, uh, and yeah, it's realmanwood.com. We go into some things. And I'll just say one thing about the conspiracy theory thing, which is hilarious, is, you know, powerful people do plan things, plan malign deeds in secret, right? I mean, like, powerful people don't always... People do bad things, right? And powerful people do bad things. And they don't always say, hey, I'm a bad guy. I'm going to do this bad thing. No, they do it secretly, right? So what is it, what is it when a powerful faction of people or some couple of people plans a malign deed in secret. It is called a conspiracy. And so the conspiracies are happening all the time. And so um, if the uh, news is not giving you great information a lot of the time, they're telling you things that you know aren't true. And you know, I, the football people know this, right? Because Terry Bradshaw <laughs> and Howie Long, you know, would come on the show and say, you know, the, the key to this game is, you know, running the ball and X, Y, and Z, and it's bullshit. And you know, it's bullshit. And they've been telling you bullshit all along. Well, just think of the New York times and ABC news and, you know, and, and CNN as Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long. They, it's worse because I think there's an agenda with those mainstream news. I don't think Terry or how, well, Terry and Howie have an agenda to like suck up to like the people they want to keep their job. Know, be, That's their agenda. Just keep yeah, my job, keep the job, you know, kind of keep the, the cocktail circuit of the NFL, friendly coach media circuit, you know, happy, but, but you know, they're just don't know what the hell they're talking about and yep. they just don't care because they're just there for a different purpose. They're there to, you know, entertain you and get people to watch the games. And so, you know, if you think of the news media, 
as those guys. And then you think of like people who think it through and don't always get it right, but at least like ask, you know, intelligent questions as Rotowire or some of the sites you like that are, you know, actually go into the data and go into the actual facts. Then I think you have a more accurate uh, idea of what's true and what's a conspiracy theory. And, you know, it's funny because it's not just, you know, the, the whole two years of COVID nonsense that people got misled. It's also FTX. I mean, people lost their asses on FTX and it was the legacy media being like, oh, the next Warren Buffett, Sam Bankman fried Well, you know, that, those are the same guys who are saying, you know, Sam Darnold is the next, you know, Joe Montana or whatever the hell they were saying when they took him at third, number three overall. It's the same bullshit. And, you know, you have to be good at siphoning through it and figuring out, you know, what's legit and what's, you know, what's just hype. Yeah, you said it right. I thought you were about to say when you're talking about like what's BS, I thought you were going to go all the way back to like the Vietnam War and how they sold, you know, that is and get people to uh, go die for, you know, the quote their country. And uh, it was all based on and then weapons of mass destruction, all this stuff. And again, I, I know that this is kind of I don't want to get too deep into it. I, I love what you guys did over there. But uh, if, you, if you want me to transition to sports, I have a, a laundry list of questions that needs answered for you. No, if you want to transition, that's fine, Alan. I've, I've never, I've never uh, stopped you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, I know that you you uh, you know who the nutless monkey is on Twitter. That guy. Just tell him that I really hope he's uh, he's safe. I'm going to be double mask. I was going to wear a double mask on this podcast, for, but I know you don't like shtick too much. So uh, I would know. have respect for it. I almost uh, about a year ago was at the ocean, and I almost. Uh, asked Heather to take a photo of me. I was going to put a mask on while I was swimming <laughs> in the ocean and be like, "It can never be too safe," you know, by myself in the in the have, in the Atlantic Ocean. So, have you ever seen those guys that like as a goof at the airport, like they'll wear the mask and like they'll wear them over their eyes and they'll cut the little holes in them? You ever see pictures of, like that on the internet? Yeah, there's like people they, in peak COVID, they'd wear like like ten masks all over their head and they'd cover themselves and they'd put little two little holes in the nose and the and the eyes so they could see through, you know. Well, the thing I really respect is the visor. You know, that plastic thing that yeah. you have in front of your face, right? So I think because, you know, the mask is like, that's played, right? But the visor yeah. is cool. So like you're at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, you can still talk and eat too because you can eat underneath the visor, right. right? There's like a couple inches where you could still put the fork in your mouth. And I think, you know, I go to Thanksgiving dinner with the visor, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm showing that I care. You know, I'm showing that I care. And at the same time, I can still show up with the visor. Yeah, that, I almost think it's like when you see the the quote tweets on that, it, it is uh, it's interesting, and you can see that on the Nutless Monkeys feed. So I'd certainly uh, recommend that. Uh, I got a question here. the the big The big thing is there's two main topics in fantasy football that I think are just fascinating. One is that there's tight end is never been as a low scoring position. Everyone's like, Oh, tight ends horrible. No, it's just all relative. It's not like, you know, there's, and now with Mark Andrews, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon, man, especially at full health, uh, Travis Kelsey. Fine. Okay. Score. Uh, you know, you never know when he's going to step on the landmine, but after that, man, what do you think this does for tight end next year? Are people, I mean, you know, after Travis Kelsey, do you think people are just going to completely fade this position? Uh, maybe. And, you know, the but, you know, you just made a good point, which is that everyone's having trouble at tight end, um, which means no one has trouble at tight end, right? Because it's nice. like, you, you yeah. got six points, I got three. Big deal, right? Uh, someone has Kelsey and he gets, you know, 15 or 18 points and you've got three. Well, okay, that's looking See, like a really good guy. pick. Yeah. One guy. And, and, and Andrews for four or five weeks, you know, was doing it too. But yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And, you know, I have Fryermuth in a couple of weeks and I'm like, I got Fryermuth, dude. I'm set. I am just, you know, he'll get me like nine points, maybe 12 points. I mean, it's huge. Um, 
And, you know, it's, it's really, you know, Ertz is out for the year. Goddard got hurt for a month. I mean, it's just. Yep. Goddard and Ertz were three and five, respectively, in the tight end rankings, which means, by the way, now, so everyone else moves up. Gerald Everett is eight. He's banged up. So, you know, Taysom Hill, who's basically been useless outside of like a couple weeks, now moves in like to the top eight. You know, I mean, he's had the last four weeks at, at sorry, the last, yeah, the last four weeks at tight end for Taysom Hill. 10, 8, 1, and 0 were his fantasy points. Yeah, no, I, I know. I have him in that Vegas league. I, was, I used him that one week. I was a genius, and I used him <laughs> ever since. He's not got me shit. But again, it hasn't really mattered that much, and I'm dominating you in that league, Alan, unfortunately for you. Um, uh, and I'm gonna have to, I, hope you didn't, I hope you didn't commingle those funds we gave you at the, at the draft because, you know, you're going to have to pay no, out. No, I gotta, Peter collected. He was oh, the, Peter collected. Yeah. I hope Peter's not commingling funds because, you know, it's going to be a – I have to knock on the door and say, okay – here we it's go. It's time to pay. It's time no, to pay. You never brag. You're a very humble guy, Alan. You are dominating the beat Chris List like every year. I don't know what it is, you know, but you're way in first place. Uh, my team, I don't know if it's drawing dead, but it's it's mediocre. Um, but uh, you're like nine and one and you got the most points. And yeah, uh, I have Andrews, though. But, you know, it's, again, it's one of those leagues where, like, you know, Andrews went down. I was like, oh, I got to start Cole Komet. And then it was his run of. Oh, you got Cole Komet. Okay, that's right. good. So, okay. so then it just picks up. Uh, all right. The other question is Christian Watson. You put a big bid on him, 30 plus percent in one of the leagues. And every 62 percent. Oh, it's 62 percent. Right. I, the only reason I left 20 bucks left is I couldn't remember if it was first come first serve after waivers run, which it is right? always in my league. Okay. Always. Okay. Yeah. So then it doesn't matter if I'm out of money. Uh, and remember, uh, yeah. And I, I'm like loaded everywhere else. I almost offered you a trade. Would you have done this trade? I almost offered you, um, but I couldn't, I, I guess I was going to do ETN and Elijah Moore for CD lamb and Hawkinson. Would you have done that? No, no, because Elijah Moore is basically, I mean, he's on waiver wires in most of my leagues. You're holding on because, y y you know, you he's have gonna, this. Fall out. That's, that's part three. So part one was Saquon, checked. Yeah. Part two was ETN, took a few weeks, check. Yep. Part three was Elijah Moore for the fantasy playoffs, check. Fair so enough. Win all my leagues. I'm going to win every single, I'm not going to win the one that we're in together I, but i'm gonna win i'm gonna win like not gonna win i'm talking shit I, i'm jinxing myself i should not you're gonna have a chance to win I, I, I have like you know three of the five nfc are in first place or second place mm -hmm. and um and you know that that vegas league and it's it's going well now i just need elijah moore that last piece that i haven't dropped yet and i just need him I, he's gonna get the slot and he's gonna go off in the second half I could certainly see the case, but in most, even in my 14 team leagues, he's on the waiver wire. Wow. So you, you're the last of the believers. I trust wow. me, I'm tempted to pick him up. You know, yeah. you know what I've noticed, but actually I want to stick with Watson for one second. Yeah. Then I have a thought in general about redraft the uh, Christian every year. It seems like there's a rookie wide receiver who basically disappointed high pedigree wide receiver. Watson was the second pick of the second round and they do nothing. And then they, you know, I don't like to use the term league winner, but they help you be, they help you win the league. Um, Obviously, it was Amon Ra last year, right? And the year before, or a couple years ago, it was A.J. Brown. He did nothing and then blew up. Is Christian Watson that guy? Everyone wanted it to be Traylon Burks, but it really seems like the Packers need him. He's got all, I mean, he's outside a couple of drops has been, he looks the part. Is Christian Watson that guy this year who just goes nuts in the last half of the year? I hope so. He's on my bench in the prime time last week for AJ Brown. Obviously I was going to start him over Brown and I wish I had mm. um, maybe the thing is he only caught four passes in that game. So three of them were touchdowns, but I'd rather him get, you know, like 13 targets and catch nine passes. And then you'd be like, okay, 
he's the guy. I think he got seven targets or something. So Rodgers doesn't have anybody. Dobbs is out for another couple of weeks still. Yep. And Lazard is just not that guy. He's, he's a complimentary guy. They tried to make him the number one. It was a, it was a mismatch. It wasn't, that's not his skill set. He's never going to be the guy that gets 12 targets a game. So Cobb is still ha- hurt. Watkins oh, is toast. Yeah. Cobb's also pretty much toast. He could be, I mean, the, the question also is like, so Rogers, I dropped him in my leagues, right? I had him in two leagues. I dropped him after the lions game. I'm like, if you can't do it against the lions, forget it. Yeah. Um, and, but then he goes in against Dallas and lights it up. And now it's like, okay, I think it's going to depend a little bit on whether that offense just kind of uses that Dallas game to catch fire. If it's like it was the first, you know, nine weeks, it's not usable because like Dobbs went off a couple weeks and I used him. He does nothing. Nobody Lazard here and there, but like you can't count on anybody, but you need an offense that can support um, that kind of a breakout. And so, yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Obviously you should pick him up, but I don't think, I don't think we can say, yeah, this is it. This is the guy. But sometimes, and you've talked about this, when teams find something that works, you've you've referenced it in terms of like baseball and closings and things like that. Like when when teams find something that works, they go back to it. You know, it's like if just like Cole Komet, okay, it worked on the goal line, so now let's use Cole Komet as the pass threat on the goal line. So if Christian Watson worked on four targets. Maybe now it's time for him uh, to get or whatever it was. It was four catches. I forget. It was like maybe it's a couple more targets. Maybe it's now it's double digit targets time. I'm just saying is that I was aggressive on him. I was, you know, I knew he was going to be the hot waiver wire pickup. But the funny thing is you'll have almost no confidence starting him in week 11, right? I mean, if you have to, you have to. But if you have an option that at least has like a floor, I'm trying to think like if you have Tyler Boyd. uh, Tyler Boyd, I okay. Here's better because Tyler Boyd, you're like Brandon Ayuk, right? Yeah, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Mike so, Evans. You're not starting him above those guys, but you know because it could be a zero. Well, what's good for me is I was complaining earlier in the year when my primetime team had so much depth, but I kept starting the wrong guys. And now with these bye weeks that are really, you know, I've Jaguars, I have ETN, Christian Kirk, you know, all these guys are key guys for me. Even Lawrence, I was starting at QB. I finally dropped Stafford uh, this week, but. Um, you know, I need to start Christian Watson. I like having to start, I have to start Darius Slayton and Christian Watson. Okay. Uh, I'm okay with that because, you know, last week those guys were on my bench lighting it up and they might not do anything this week, but it just, I like being forced to use these guys that I would have kind of wanted to use, but would have felt, Oh, I've got to start the, you know, the more proven guy ahead of them. So um, that's where depth comes in handy, but yeah, it's hard, you know, receivers in general, besides the Justin Jefferson's they week to week, We'll go for 120 yards, and then go for 35 yards. That's just the nature of the position for you know 90%, 99% of the receivers. And so even if Watson is the guy, he could still go three for 35 on six targets. And then the week after, go eight targets for 120 yards and a touchdown. And you're just not going to be able to get that one-week sample that says, oh, here's the truth about this guy. It's not like a running back where he gets 18 carries and six catches, and you're like, okay, we kind of like see how they're using him. The sample's so Mm -hmm. much bigger. With the receiver, you're just sort of like guessing. Look at, uh, what's that guy? Westbrook Akina. Mm. Like, is he the guy now? Or is Robert Woods going to get the tar? I mean, we don't know. Or Traylon Burks, right? Who knows? This this is the case for drafting wide receivers early, like you just said. This is because, yes, you're not going to get those elite running backs. And 
Sure, you could sneak Barkley in there when he's a late second round pick, but obviously, you know, I mean, you called this one pretty not, early. Not that, in the league with me, you wouldn't. Have, yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> Saquon Barkley. Let's just think about it in terms of next year right now. Saquon Barkley, if you have pick five, you're probably not going to get him, right? I mean, he could go anywhere from pick one to four next year. I mean, I, I still think Justin Jefferson will end up being the one one in a lot of the NFFC format leagues, but, you know, you're, you're so it's tough to take that running back. Cause like you said, you get into the third round, you're like, Oh, okay. I'll take an Allen Robinson. Who's, you know, is kind of dicey already. Right. So I'm, I did one thing I did. I passed on so many receivers that were hyped. Like Robinson, yeah. I almost took, and I was like, what if he's over the hill? Like last year, he just never got going. And it was like, well, he's had a bad quarterback, bad offense. What about Mooney? Mooney was fine last year. So passed on him. Cortland Sutton. People are hyping up Cortland Sutton, taking that guy. You know, I wanted to get DJ Moore. But Dalton snaked me in the second round. I was going to give him the third. <laughs> Thank God I didn't get DJ Moore. He's done a, a little bit late, lately. But, yeah, but you know, those were on your bench, too, the DJ Moore performances. Most probably likely. some of them, yeah. you know. But And then, you know, and I ended up getting DK Metcalf in a, in a few leagues who hasn't been great, but he's been better than all those guys. Mm -hmm. Christian Kirk and those guys have been good. So, um, yeah, it, it's true that, like, there's, like, a certain tier of receivers, and they've pretty much all delivered, like, Diggs, Jefferson Cup before he got hurt. Um, Jamar Chase before he got hurt. Um, you know, uh, so, Devontae Adams, as much as I hate to say it, delivered 100%. Um, but I, I thought he should get suspended for, you know, six games for the pushing the guy. Not because I care about the guy. Just <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have him. And now CeeDee Lamb just finally, like, did something. So, you know, those guys, Tyreek Hill's been great. A.J. Brown's been great until last week. So pretty much all the stud receivers have, have done what they've done. And you're right. Like, once you got past that group, you know, it was dicey and, and, and it's for that reason. Cause, and, and what sucks is as soon as Allen Robinson or, or uh, Cortland Sutton has a couple of bad games or DJ Moore. Now, as you said, you may leave it on your bench. How do you know whether to start Ayuk over them or one of those or Tyler Boyd or, you know, Christian Watson. And then you end up just being in hell with your lineups every week. That's what was so good about peak Julio Jones is that he was one of the more volatile guys and he never scored touchdowns. But at the end of the year, you looked up and it was like 1500 yards and 90 to hundred catches. You just, you didn't think about it, right? It's just, you plug him in there every week. So I guess really does your draft strategy change at all? I know let's say you have a top three pick. I know that you're going to be eyeing Saquon Barkley, who let's just presume the Giants resign him to like a three-year contract and it's a similar offense. They add some pass-catching weapons, all that kind of stuff. But is, I mean, should the draft strategy change to making sure you secure a, a set-it-and-forget-it wide receiver? I mean, not Peter Shanky, that was always his draft strategy. He always would want to pick late and just get two of those guys and worry about running backs. And it, it definitely works. And if you have Jefferson this year, or you have like peak Antonio Brown who would get, you know, 13 touchdowns digs. plus digs this year or that one year, but it's not every year. The thing is the running backs have more ceiling than all, but the 136 catch. Tyree touchdown. Hill types, yeah. right. The, right. The really, really crazy. And even Hill's never had one of those years, you know, this year he's going crazy with the yardage, but the receptions and the touchdowns aren't going to be you know that insane. Um, the Christian McCaffrey year, obviously 2019, Barkley's rookie year. So, you know, the, the, the Derrick Henry year was ma massive, but he didn't get the, the receptions. You know, the ones where the guy's caught 50 plus balls, he's getting 300 ish carries, he's scoring, you know, close to 20 touchdowns combined. That is the, that and the Antonio Brown when you're getting 135 right. catches, that's the ceiling of ceilings. And Jefferson qualifies. 
but I wouldn't have expected that from Diggs. I wouldn't have expected that from CeeDee Lamb. So, you know, you're, you're talking about one or two receivers maybe. Cup, yes, but he got hurt. Okay, so um, let me ask you this. Let's say Cup doesn't play for the rest of the year because by the time he's ready, they're completely out of it. Why bring him back? Where do you think Cooper Cup coming off? You know how the, the fantasy market is, right? They're like, oh, he'll be 30. Yeah, he'll he'll go like he'll go like ninth, I think, or something like you that. You still think he's a first round pick? Okay, so you think if, everyone if, will... if he comes into camp and like you know it's an ankle, right? So it's not yeah. Let's like... say he's ready by like week fifteen, but they're just like, nah, we're not yeah. bringing him back. And so his off season's completely normal, right? Yeah. And Stafford, oh, we got it. You know, Stafford's elbow age thirty five. Stafford at this point, right. and, but his elbow is kind of a thing too. Like, yeah. is is he compromised? But assuming the reports on both those guys are good, I think he'll go like ninth because he's. You know, the route running and the stuff he does and the, and the way McVay moves him around before the snap to get him open, I, I just think that's kind of like if he's healthy, he's going to get 120 catches. The, the problem with him is that he has been hurt a bunch. And, you know, he's not the – he's pretty – his BMI is pretty low. He's like mm-hmm. 6'2", like 190. He's not like a 200. He's not like, you know, especially stout guy. But I think if everything's good – um, He'll, he'll go in the first round. Yeah. So the other topic I have here, and I think this is really important for fantasy football, is Deshaun Watson's coming back December 5th, I think it is, or 4th. Or, it's against the Texans. And it's not so much that, like, okay, pick him up. Sure. If you have a, a bad QB, it's worth a shot. But what do you think is going to happen, one, with Amari Cooper? Because you could still trade for Amari Cooper before the trade deadline in redraft, too. And I know trades are, like, impossible, but he just came off a bad week. So if you think that Watson's in, like, an elevator, do you think that you should be trading for these guys? You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and even, like, you know, some of the tight end stuff. So I guess really what I'm asking you is what is your expectations for all this? Do you think it's going to make a difference or it's going to be a dud? I think it'll make a difference. I just think that Cleveland in the winter is not going to be like, you know, Houston in the dome or whatever. I mean, I I think it's like definitely worse conditions, Uh, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, and um, you know, I, it's gotta be better. I mean, Brissett is better than I thought he was going to be. Actually, he actually has generated more offense than I thought, but it's a good offensive line. They're good down a distance with the running game and, I think Deshaun Watson could be like a league winner in the playoffs. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. The, I mean, the last time he played was 2020. He didn't play at all last year. He was getting 300 passing yards and about two touchdowns a game with 30 rushing yards on the ground. I mean, that's, that's something in a quarterback, but that's again, at his peak when he was playing with Will Fuller and Deandre Hopkins, we'll see. Oh, if it I be- think, I mean, I, you know, Will Fuller was never healthy and Hopkins was good. It was really good, but you know, Cooper and, is kind of like Hopkins and then people's Jones and then a better offense in general, better offensive line. I think Watson could be a monster. Um, and I'm, I mean, on the field actually. Yeah. And and we started by talking about the tight ends again. I, I hope you don't mind. I just have a laundry list of questions here that sure. need to be yeah. answered yeah. is that. So now given the tight end landscape is Travis, if we had to draft, you know, had to draft today for next year or better yet in early best ball drafts. Cause you know, I start as soon as they open up in February, Travis Kelsey, Top first round pick, top five pick. I mean, it is a really huge advantage for him. It let's and again, let's no, assume no, things- I'm not I'm not doing it for two reasons. One is don't overread into one particular year, right? Like there there could be, you know, one year it's the receivers that win the league, the next year it's the running backs. You know, oh, get get Josh Allen in the third round, get Justin Fields in the second round, because you know, look, he the quarterbacking was so mediocre and 
you know, he was the, he was a difference maker, but you know, the following year you could have 10 great quarterbacks, you know, you don't really know year to year. So don't worry about that. And then Kelsey will be 34 and you know, you want to get out a year too early rather than a year too late. Now, if you get a discount on that risk of aging, then fine. Now there's no discount, no discount. So if you're not getting a discount on the fact that he's 34, then, you know, give me the running back, give me the receiver. I, I know that this year, even though I was out on Kelsey this year, um, you would have been in great shape to take Kelsey ninth or whenever you would have got him. Or, you know, that, that's like as early as he went, if you took him ninth and that was a great pick and you deserve credit if you did that, but I wouldn't do it next year. But you've mentioned, don't the greats, like the all-time greats, which I think Kelsey qualifies for, oh, don't they see- yeah, don't they seem to age a little bit better? Like, can Tony G plays till uh, thirty eight? Antonio Gates. Uh, yeah, but you, you wouldn't draft the Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates in the first round at age thirty five. Those guys were, you know, borderline not, you know, early second, you know, whatever. It was a different. They were game like fourth bit. round, fifth round. Well, pick. no, but they, you know, but when they were in their very, very peak, you know, Gates mm-hmm. would go earlier than that, and so would Gonzalez. But the thing is, um, you know, they slowed down. They were just still useful in their mid thirties. Nobody really they age well in the sense that they don't completely fall off the cliff but nobody in history at tight end at age 35 was like a first round worthy pick i don't think anybody the reason though that i think this might be different and again i'm with you it's going to be tough to pass on your favorite receiver running back at pick nine and take kelsey but it's almost like a stockton and malone type of thing you know like where patrick mahomes and kelsey you know it's it it just it feels different and patrick mahomes has proven this shit like you know a lot of um, a lot of rankings faded Patrick Mahomes to QB four, QB five because of his last year. But what we learned is last year was his floor. A bad season for Patrick Mahomes is QB six, and yeah. obviously his upside is is MVP. So right. and that well and that well yeah I I mean people are taking Herbert over Mahomes. I might have even ranked Herbert over Mahomes in the preseason, but. You know, Herbert lost his receiver, you know, but the, the uh, Chargers are just nutless monkeys. It's a terrible yep. coaching staff. They just, their offense just doesn't go. It doesn't work. Whereas the Chiefs offense, partly because of Mahomes, partly because of Andy Reid, it just flows. There's always, you know, a, a scheme, a plan, a rhythm, a drive going. The Chargers, it's just like herky jerky. Do, do you think the Chargers will have like Sean Payton or Sean McVay as their coach next year or something like that? Uh, yeah, maybe Peyton would be a good one. I mean, it would be, I just get rid of Staley. You know, people yeah. think cause the guy cracks open a spreadsheet and says the word analytics that he's a genius. I mean, it's so right. stupid. Well, you it know? was, it was when no coaches were saying that it was refreshing to hear someone say it. That's what I think that the love was. Everything, uh, is just, you know, mouthing the, the platitudes these days, right? You got to say the right woke platitudes. You got to say this, you say the wrong thing. You're terrible. You say the right thing. You're a good guy. Don't you know how stupid that is? How easy it is. Talk is cheap, right? Who cares what the guys yeah. are saying? Look at how they're coaching. And there's just no rhythm to that, uh, chargers offense at all. And, and to the extent there was in the past, it was mostly Herbert, like making ridiculous throws and fourth down conversions last year. That, that was a mistake on my part to yeah. put him ahead of Mahomes. All right, two more questions. This is now going into real football. The AFC playoff picture, the Bills, you know, are the sixth seed now. They're, uh, you know, I know, and they're still the, the betting favorite to win the AFC, by the way, which is amazing. But four, not two, not three, four AFC East teams are in the playoffs if it started today. Yeah, I have the Pats. I got a ticket on the Pats to win the division. They're uh, seven and, right now. In this. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, I think they're kind of a nightmare in December because you know, you want to have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs light it up and the Patriots can't compete with that, but they can grind the shit out of you and beat you up. And, you know, if it's windy and bad weather, 
that's not necessarily going to be you know conducive to the passing game so much. And so I think they're dangerous. Obviously, the Bills, you know, if Allen's healthy and he looked healthy last week, or probably should be favored. The Chiefs also, um, their defense is actually good at times. The Chiefs, it's weird. I don't really know what to make of their defense. You know, Chris Jones looks like a, a one man wrecking crew at times. Then sometimes the Chiefs' defense is soft. And then um, I, I think the Chiefs, and I know that people think this is crazy, but like their kicker sucks. Like Butker is missing extra points. He's off. He's hurt. He's hurt. Maybe he's kicking hurt. Yeah. Like, no. I, I swear to God, you don't want to go into the playoffs in close games uh, with a shaky kicker. Like, you know, kicker doesn't matter if the, the margin's 10 or more in either direction, but it matters a lot when you start getting within three, which a lot of games are. Just like closers in baseball. Like, who cares? If it's seven to one, it doesn't matter who your closer is. But, you know, in the playoffs in these tight games, the bullpen's often decided. So that's a little red flag for them. I also... Um, they don't really have a reliable deep threat. They have MVS, but he kind of sucks. They have Hardman, but he's banged up and he's not reliable. Tony's kind of this gadget guy. I, I feel like they're still not quite um, as good as they were two years ago offensively. Yep. And then the NFC side, obviously you have a, a high vested interest in the Giants who right now, if this playoff started today, would be the five seed. They would play the Bucks Unless they win the NFC East, man, they're going to be the five or six seed. It's just how it's going to happen. The, right now, Dallas is the six seed. So if the Bucks stay around the four seed, I mean, who? I guess really my question for you is who would you prefer to go on the road and play as a Giants fan? Would you rather go into Tampa or into Seattle? Both tough spots. Uh, I'd rather host the game as the one seed when we sweep the Eagles is what I'd rather do because the well, Eagles let's are say only that one happen. game. They're only one game ahead of the Giants, and I never was that impressed with the Eagles. I think Hurts is good. I don't think he's great. I think defense is good. I don't think it's great. And we'll see. You know, I don't know. They need to sign Odell and get another receiver in there, but I'm not even conceding that. But assuming that were the case, yes. I think I'd rather play the Bucks in Tampa. Seattle's just a tough place to play, and I feel like, Pete Carroll, I mean, we're finding out that maybe he was a good coach after all. That team is up for the games. They're, you know, they're, they can run the ball. They can pass the ball. I think the Giants defense as currently constituted would have trouble with them. And uh, I mean, they were right in that game in Seattle a couple weeks ago, but freaking Richie James fumbled two punt returns and that yeah. really cost them. But I think I'd rather play Tampa uh, and they just need to get a pass rush and beat up Brady, although Tampa's played better too lately. And then with the Giants, I know with a couple, just a couple last things here. So now they're at the point where they're obviously not going to be in range to draft a quarterback. So it's it's franchise da tag Danny Dimes, or they probably won't give him a five year, but a three year extension with two guaranteed. What do you want to see them do with franchise? Uh, franchise. He okay, he's more. done a great job under the circumstances, but he hasn't because his receivers are so bad and because they run the ball so much he hasn't really been asked to really air it out enough and get a lot of attempts. So it's not his fault, but I just haven't, I feel like because he was so mediocre in the past and now that he finally has a decent situation, he's played well. I feel like it's another prove it year. So I would franchise him. All right. So I'm just looking at the free agent wide receivers that could help him next year. It's not like a, a very impressive group. It's you're looking at like the Juju Smith Schuster types or they're going to might have to make a trade. I mean, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, it's a uh, Alan Lazard. These are all the, the type of no, there's no just Kadarius Tony just trade for Kadarius. Ah, that was a mistake. You agree to trade him? I don't care. No, how no, no. I mean, here's the thing. I like I think Tony's a ridiculous talent, but two things. Is he a gadget guy? He'll make great gadget plays now and then, you know, sort of Corderell Patterson without the bulk to be a running back receiver Corderell Patterson. Is he that? Um, although I love Corderell Patterson, but also like 
he had attitude issues. Like it might just be like one of those things where the new start, the Chris Carter thing where they get rid of him and he becomes a star somewhere else, but he wouldn't have been a star if he stayed maybe. So I I don't know. I was definitely like a little light, the package they got for him, but he's always hurt. I mean, he may get hurt next week, pull a hamstring and be like, yeah, it's good. They got something for him. You, you always say it's hard to argue. You have to really judge things on the output, not on the input. And Brian Dable, uh, his output has been really good so yeah. far. Doesn't mean he wasn't wrong about that trade, though. I mean, you know, in the GM. Right. All right, man. That's those are all the questions. Oh, you know what I was going to ask you? Now I know you're not a big keeper league dynasty guy, but that's why sometimes I like to ask someone who has like a because the dynasty people are drunk with the rankings. Mm. So from your perspective, you you'd like to take like this nice view here. Who do you think in order, just give me the top four dynasty running backs. Okay. So take into consider age situation, contract status. I mean, just off the top of your head, if you want to do three, that's fine because this is a huge argument. And a lot of your listeners, I see them there. You know, I've interacted with a bunch of them. They are playing in these, these dynasty leagues. Now it's, it's blowing up. So what is your viewpoint? Who should be the top three or five running backs in dynasty? Yeah, it's tough because a lot of the top guys like Eckler and Christian McCaffrey are older. And I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor is still probably number one, even Mm -hmm. though he didn't catch that many passes because he's just he's fine. He just got a little banged up and the team. You know, they were starting Ellinger and that was a mistake. So he's he's definitely been. So there's a tier of like three or four guys. I I would put him around one. I think Barkley is still young enough and does be 26. Right. But, you know, maybe he's not two, but he's in the low mileage. Okay, yeah. Low mileage. I mean, Kenneth Walker, now that he caught That's those passes, I, I feel like, you know, it's a really small sample, but he's a second round pick. He obviously, when you watch him play, has so much wiggle, so explosive. I think he's one of them. And then ETN is the other one that I think you have to, you know, consider. And, you know, I was trying to draft the guys. I got teams. I got a couple of teams with ETN and Walker. When you're like, oh, let's get the guy in next year's cover. Well, those are two leading candidates to be in next year's cover. And then, you know, you have all the older guys like McCaffrey, Eckler, Cook, Henry, and I, I mix in is not even that old, but like, I, I wouldn't take those guys in the top five. I'd probably go to the younger guys, but you could make an argument that like mix in belongs in the top five. I, I wouldn't do it, but you know, he's every year he's, you know, 260 carries and 40, 50 catches. Yeah, no, you, you're, you see, you're underscoring what there's what's going on in the dynasty rankings world right now is that. Yeah, Barkley, 26, and Ken Walker. There's a case for all these guys. So, again, there's really no ranking is my point. It's just a tier. And so who's I know your number one? I would say if I was on the clock and forced to take a running back, I like so much what I've seen out of Ken Walker. You know, just everything I've one, seen. Is there one, is there one? He would be number my number one. one. It's just like such a high floor. And I think like you just mentioned before is he was one of those guys that people were saying, oh, he can't catch passes. No, he just hasn't had the opportunity yet. And he, you know, in college, they just handed it to him because it was easier. Why throw him a pass when you could just hand it to him and he gets you six, seven, eight yards every time. So I would take him because I almost think he's, he's too big to fail. And both of Seattle's rookie uh, tackles hit this year. So they're only going to get better. Gino's probably going to get extended and I like him enough where he's not going to sink the ship and I love the receivers. So yeah, I, I think that when you're drafting a dynasty running back, all you're looking for is what's going to happen over the next two seasons. When you say, Oh, five or eight years, you're, you're kidding yourself. Right? Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Like if you're 26 and completely healthy, that's okay. Although you yes. decline in skill and you get hurt more. Yep. But if you knew the guy to be healthy at 27, 28, it doesn't really matter right. that you've got, oh, I've got this guy for seven years. I mean, Zeke Elliott's been around forever, but the last few years of Zeke Elliott, it's like, eh, it's not yeah. really what you, what you thought you had. 
Right. So if you can get the 21 year old running back for two to three seasons and he's got such a high floor and the untapped upside, that's why I would like him. But I think the real answer is just, you know, and I know you say it's trade back, but in dynasty, you actually can trade back, you know, so get something mi uh, minimal to move from, you know, a spot where you're going to get the first running back to the fourth running back if that's your flavor. So cheap advice, but it actually where do you where do you have ETN? I would have him three. I like Taylor two, ETN three. And again, okay. I would have had Hall in that mix too, but I don't draft guys that are probably going to miss the first month, month and a half of the next season. You're already sucking like 20% of their dynasty value out, you know? Yeah. So funny. Uh, the Rotowire Dynasty League, the only Dynasty League I'm in, mm. I was like, we, we have this weird cumulative record way of doing it. So I was like, 14 and 70 or something like that. And I was trying to sell Joe Mixon. I was offering Joe Mixon and McLaurin and like Hunter Renfro before he was totally washed uh -huh. like five weeks ago for Jonathan Taylor. And the dude wasn't, you know, he wasn't, everyone wants just something for not, not right. nothing, but they don't want to give up. Their, right. But I'm like, you want to win now, you know, take McLaurin and, you know, it's 14 team league. Like McLaurin's valuable. A lot of, I think we start four receivers. Um, and now I have ETN and Walker, right? They were worthless for five weeks. Now I'm at 500 and I'm like now a contender. So it's just so funny. I was like ready to like sell everything. Yeah. And, and that's uh, what I'm saying. People sell too quickly. And that's the advantage in dynasty is that four teams give up in week three. So you're only right. competing with like six or seven teams every year. So even if you have like the eighth or ninth place team, if you just do the grind, which again, it's tough when you have so many leagues and a life and all that stuff. And, but it's like, just stay in it because there was a one league where I was the, the last place team and I had the sh the crappiest, shittiest team. And now I'm like one of the top three just because I traded for like the Mike Evans types. People are allergic to 29 year olds in Dynasty. They just don't want them. They'd rather take like, you know, an unproven prospect that's 23. You know, it's you could take real well, advantage. I, I won't say who it was. Uh, you know, call him out. Call him out. Uh, no, it was Schuler, and uh, so <laughs> so I they wanted Terry McLaurin. This is when I was selling, right? And I think I, they probably still slightly ahead of me, but it's hilarious that it's him and a partner. And he said, uh, "I'll give you one of our rookie receivers for McLaurin." And I was fine. I didn't care. McLaurin's good, but he's not that good. Right. So it was Dobbs or uh, what's his name, um, George Pickens. Yeah, and Ooh. I said, "I'll take both." Okay, I'll take both from McLaurin. It's not like McLaurin's like going to be useless next year. And there's no like round or keeper price. It's just you keep whoever you yeah, have. Yeah, it's a true dynasty. So I'm, I'm like, give me two prospects for one proven guy who's still going to be good for two, three more years. And they were like, no, you're only going to get one or the other. And I was like, no. Um, and so then we didn't do the trade. And now I'm glad because now I'm yeah. pretending that I have McLaurin. And those guys, you know, Dobbs is hurt and, and you know, Pickens hasn't done much. In the the real difference between dynasty and redraft, uh, Chris, is that the trading values are different, right? Like trades that you make, like you could never trade Terry McLaurin for Romeo Dobbs right. in a redraft league. But that's like, no, but, you know, but even a keeper league, I mean, even yeah. a keeper league, like it was it was the idea that like, well, McLaurin's you know twenty eight or whatever, he's only got a couple of years left of being good. <laughs> These guys could both blow up, and they could, they still could. Right. And in a year, we could laugh at this when those guys are like Pro Bowlers, and I'd be like, shit, I should have made that trade. Well, I couldn't have got both. I could only got one, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, of course I should get both because, again, it's a two-year horizon. And the mm -hmm. chances that either one of those guys is good, McLaurin, for the next two years, not forget about this year, mm -hmm. two, next year. Like, if we're drafting right now for next year, McLaurin's going way ahead of those two guys. So, you know, it's just I just would get two bullets, you know, and, and it's 14-team league. We have 20-man roster, so there's no one on waivers. I mean, it's good to have two guys like that. They're, they're valuable. But, um, but it's yeah. just funny how, like, you know, 
Yeah, the val- and that's what I'm saying. Like sometimes the best trades in Dynasty are the ones where the other guy says no, and then you end up being right. It happens all the time. Like uh, Dynasty is so extreme. I mean, we did a baseball league. We traded Clayton Kershaw for like <laughs> Brad Fulmer, who then tore his ACL. He was a DH. You know, it was like, you know, he's a prospect Kershaw. Who knows? You know, like, but like some of the trades are so. We traded Dylan Bundy and we got Paul Goldschmidt right before he went. Mm. I mean, keeper league trades are are the yeah. most. You never people, have a lopsided of trade like that. Right. And everyone yells at you. Oh, you got ripped off. You ruined the league. And then it flips the other way. The, the, earlier in this year, I traded Justin Fields and in a super flex and a second round pick, rookie pick for Russell Wilson. I'm oh. left holding the Russell Wilson bag and Justin Fields is QB five <laughs> already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I've ruined my super flex team. I literally ruined it and gave uh, the guy a pick to ruin it for me. Oh, uh, it's terrible. You know, um, yeah, I, I saw Justin Fields on one of the NFFC waiver wires and I bid, I think, but I didn't really like I needed a quarterback, but I didn't think I needed one that badly. But I knew, you know, my brain, you know, I was like, oh, that's the one waiver. Wire. This is like obviously five weeks ago. Yep. And, you know, it's just you got to just this is a, that's a lesson. Like if you see that upside guy that shouldn't be there, you know, go and like overpay for him. Even if, you, you know, if you have Patrick Mahomes, OK, maybe not. But, you know, if you have Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence, go ahead and overpay um, for that guy, because. If you have Kirk Cousins, who a stabilizing guy, go yeah. get him, right? At yeah. least those other, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, that that is the takeaway right there, right? Like pay for because you never know, like when Patrick Mahomes can step on the landmine. Just get him right. anyway. I mean, why are you holding on to Jarvis Landry or KJ Osborne? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, but yeah. Oh, know you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know, I know. Proverbial. I've got, I've got Alec Alec Pierce. All right. So Thank God you have him instead of Justin Fields. Thank yeah, God. Exactly. <laughs> no, that that's not the guy. Well, maybe it would have been the guy. It wasn't that I was worried about the drop, it was just like Oh, that's interesting. Let's put in a bid. But it wasn't like, oh, no, no, no. This is a mistake Like that he's here. I need to really capitalize on this mistake now. Yeah, but it's like someone yesterday in a league offered said, oh, you have like six. It was one league where I'm like flush at running back. And someone says, let me get Jeff Wilson from you. You don't need him. I said, next week I could have no running backs and need Jeff Wilson. Like you think the depth is there, but I, I, I literally have one of these uh, mega teams that had, and this week I lost uh, Goddard Cooper cup and Jerry Judy and one swoop. And now I have nothing, you know? So that's uh, what I think is just echoing what you said is that, you know, when there's depth available and your league difference makers, pick them up. Don't worry about your wide receiver four, especially this time of year. I was telling Jeff, pick up Samaje P. Ryan, pick up Isaiah Spiller, because the you know, there's a chance that one of those lead running backs is going out for the count. Yeah, I, I get a little attached to my sleeper pit. You know, I'm like, Alec Pierce was pretty good for a couple of weeks. Or, you know, Matt Ryan's right. back. We all I do. Really, I don't really don't want to drop them. And then, then, you know, you look back, I'm like, I don't really want to drop Robbie Anderson. Do we see his role in, in Arizona? And then I dropped him a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, what was I even thinking? Like, that's such a long shot that that dude did anything. So it's just funny, you know, like the as soon as you get a guy, you have that endowment effect where you're like, oh, it's he's more valuable because he's on my team. And you don't, you don't think of it that way. You just think he's more valuable. Uh, and I think it's good to just cut pretty liberally, but I won't cut Elijah Moore. That's the one. That's where I draw the line. Well, I'm still. You have on. it too. You're giving out advice, and then you're you're behaving counter to that advice. Well, and I have him in every league. I just I don't know why I'm stubborn, and I also feel like it's fate. Like I went all in on two guys. I, one was a delay. This is just another delay. But he is going to play in the slot, which is what he's suited to. And that you know they what do they have? They have um, Garrett Wilson, mm-hmm. and they have him, and that's it, right? The Conklin gets a few touches Brees Hall's not there getting 10 targets no. every week anymore 
So, you know, I, I think the slot's going to be an easy throw for QB1. And there's, you got to say <laughs> QB1 at least once in every podcast. Um, just this, this incredible work he's done off the field is just, I just think we, we should never not acknowledge that. But yeah, I, I think that, uh, I just, I don't know, I have a feeling, and I'm going to have to start him in a couple of leagues this week because I have so many guys on by. I could totally see it. Now, uh, the last thing I'll give you, and again, you can cut this out if you if you want, but I told you, and again, I told you I had a, a story based on uh, oh, right. terms and That's conditions. Right. Right. I'll give you the short version, and if you don't want to use this, feel free just to chop it out, no problem. But here's my, you know, based on a podcast that you did about company policy and terms and conditions, I told you, I think that that is, you, you sometimes, when you're doing a podcast, you have no idea who's hearing it, who's taking the advice, and you had someone give you feedback about, some sort of construction that they had on their house and it, it motivated them uh, to, to they got five grand back. He got five grand back right. that he wouldn't have gotten. He said, which makes me feel great. Like yeah. someone's listening to your podcast and they got five grand because they fucking called out some guy who was ripping them off and they were going to like, it was uncomfortable. We're going to let it, he got a lawyer involved, got his money. And I think, you know, this is just small potatoes, like doing it with like the contractor or the customer service rep. I mean, we need to do this, in every aspect well, of society when, when things are, are not okay. But go ahead, Alan. Yeah, no, it starts slow. But I again, mine's not that much money, but it saved me because I was having a lot of angst over this. Okay, here you go. I was uh, I had one of those massage subscription places that I go to. Not that kind. Con- of course. <laughs> so it's $80 a month, right? I signed a contract, a one-year contract. And one day I see, you know, they bill you on the first of the month. You make your appointment. You go get your massage. So I always check my statement. It said $80. And then there was another charge from the place. It said $10. So I call up. I said, oh, you accidentally charged me $10. No, no, we raised the price by $10. I said, they go, the economy and our expense. I said, no, wait a second. We signed an agreement. And for I said, if you want at the end of our agreement to, you know, to raise the price, you know, then I'll make that decision. They said, well, if you look in the terms and conditions on page nine, it says that we have the right to, I said, listen, I'm already tuned out terms. And so I used your argument, which is I don't care about company policy. I care about what's right. And now, you know, I talked about trust and this and that. And they said, we're, they were trying not to even let me out of the contract. They were saying tough, you know, tough shit. So I made it miserable for them. I even, you know, I didn't, I didn't use the nuclear threat about talking about social media and this and stuff, but I think they saw I was about to go there and they backed down because I was ready to go scorched earth reviews, call everybody I know, give a bit, you know, like that's all I had. And I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to ruin anyone's business. Right, of course. I just don't want, we have an agreement. This agreement says this, and then you're using terms and conditions. And it took about three days, three calls, the owner telling me about the economy. I said, not my problem. You're right. not raising my yeah. thing. So right. good. good for you, man. Yep. And I got it. I got good it. Good for you. Good for you. What the way it should work, right? This is how it should work if they were like honorable about it, is it's 80 bucks a month and they send you an email and they said, listen, we agreed to 80 bucks a month and we're going to honor that contract because that's what we agreed to. But you just want you to know that we're having hard times because of the economy. It's not your fault. So we would ask to raise it if it's okay with you just to meet expenses. So we're not losing money on this. Don't feel obligated. Even that's a little uncomfortable because if you don't do it, you go in and you're like getting your massage. You're like, they're pissed, but be like, you know, but they <laughs> well, should the, worker, say, the massage, the masseuse doesn't know about right. the and, and also, right. And also, and also like, you know, they should just say like, you know, don't feel uncomfortable. This is just, you know, we're just doing this as a business. We want to be upfront with what's going on. That's the way to do it. And then it's your choice to say yes or no. Yep. It's not, 
trying to sneak it in on you and then complain when you try to do it inciting some bullshit that you're not going to, for 80 bucks a month, you're not reading nine pages of terms and conditions. Right. So, and they said, yeah, they said that they sent it out in a newsletter. We told you in the newsletter, I said, no one reads your stupid newsletter. That's what I actually, I felt yeah. bad that I said it like yeah. that, but I said, no one reads your stupid newsletter. I said, yeah. no one. And I started going through click rates of newsletter. <laughs> I was getting pissed. I was like, no one's newsletter has more than a two to 5% open rate. Yeah. And then it's true though. It's true though. Yeah. No, I mean, it's good. That's great. And you know, that's a small thing, but like, that's just it. Like, and, and that's just not the way to do business. They should have been up front. They should have yeah. done it above board and, and they got a, uh, a tongue lashing from you yep. and they deserved it. And good. You know? good. And now I'm, now I'm going to one of the more corporate places to get my massage. So my first one is, is tomorrow. So I'll let you know if it was worth the bad thing though. The one thing that I cut off my nose despite my face is that this place has infrared uh, sauna, which I was getting to. So now I'm foregoing the infrared sauna, which as you well, know is I don't, I don't love the infrared. Right, I know that's right. You don't. I, li I like the old school. So, you yeah. know, you might have uh, too much concentrated heat in the infrared. I've, I've been yeah. told my, so, you know, obviously my wife is a functional dietitian. I'll think. So I asked her, I told her your opinion on that and she differs a little bit and she, you know, she had some reasons, but she said there is merit to what you're saying, but her, the research she's done, she said, um, as long as it's not sustained heat, it's 20 minutes. You're it's actually better for you, but who knows, you know, like right. it's, you know, it's not going to kill you either way, but bottom line is now I'm out the sauna, but I, but I could sleep at night and I have my pride. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. And, and yeah, I just think, you know, that's the small stuff. The big stuff is like yeah. when they, you know, you know how I feel about this. When they tell you you have to show your papers to get into a restaurant, you know, that's when everybody needs to go bananas and just be like, no, we're just not doing that. That's not how it goes. And then that those kind of policies get scrapped immediately. It's just the idea of like, oh, well, we all have to because, you know, the, the, this is the rule and what are we going to do? And it's, it doesn't work like that. If everybody does what you did, um, those policies are over in, in two seconds. Well, maybe now someone hears it. And just like, you know, that not saying I'm not going into your restaurant, all these big things, that's like the three point shot. You got to hit a few layups to get hot first. And this, that's these right. like little that's terms right. and condition get, things are layups. Right. And now point. I, now I feel emboldened for when the bigger thing comes to now do that. So, you know, again, this is how these things work. Yeah, no, that's a good point. All right, man. Good stuff. I appreciate your coming on doing the, uh, real man sports podcast and, uh, we'll see. Good luck in uh, week 11. You too.